very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Give yourself the gift of truth. Now for media inquiries to contact me, or if you want to be a guest on this show, or if you're a whistleblower, just go to our website and click on the contact button. I want to hear from you. Americans aspire to be quote-unquote forward-looking people, often failing to look back. But if we were to look back in time at our history and discover the true story of this land, what will we see? And how different our world, our existence, and our lives would be today and can be tomorrow. Those are the words from Carl Lerberger, tonight's special guest. Carl Lerberger is an environmental activist, renewable energy entrepreneur, researcher, and author. He has studied archaeological and secret sites in the Americas for over 25 years, with a focus on the ancient peoples who came to the Americas long before Columbus. He has published articles in Ancient American magazine, an avid traveler and explorer. His book is titled Secrets of Ancient America, Archaeoastronomy and the Legacy of the Phoenicians, Celts, and Other Forgotten Explorers. And to learn more about Carl Lerberger and his work, visit his website at newhistoryofamerica.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Talent, Oregon, I would like to welcome Carl Lerberger. Hello, Carl. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings, Mel, and it's a real pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all mine, Carl. I was telling you offline that I always enjoy speaking with people who go through life and question, question the history that we have been spoon-fed all along. Most people don't question and they just live their lives thinking that that is the truth. Let me tell you why I'm so happy having you on, because many people, like I said, live their lives believing everything, Carl. They're told, and there's a minority, you included who question along the way and realize that our his hyphen story has been rewritten along the way. Why did you attempt to write a new history of America? How did your journey begin? Well, thank you for that, that great introduction. And, uh, you know, just to follow through with your question, you, you are also a, a, a somebody who questions, and I admire that. And, and, and certainly your listeners uh, have, to, have to have that attitude or they wouldn't be, you know, tuning in to you and me to talk about uh, a new history of America. 
And you could say that that I got started on all this because the old history of America that we're taught in school and 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 taught in college that uh, uh, and, and we celebrate as a national holiday, uh, the Columbus Day, which celebrates the uh, so-called discovery of America by by the explorer uh, Columbus is, in fact, uh, a, a lie. And as 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 I found out more and more, it, it became quite clear that Columbus didn't discover America. In fact, Columbus was the last of uh, uh, many explorers from nations all over the world who made it to the Americas, both across the Pacific and across the Atlantic. And the more I got into it, the more contradictions I found in terms of what people thought was our history and, and the actual history that I was finding written on the rocks throughout North America. And what I discovered uh, after 22 years of, of research into rock art and petroglyphs, looking at the archaeoastronomy uh, of, of the petroglyphs and, and, the, and the monuments here in, in, in North America, is that uh, I discovered that we've been lied to about our history. And worse, the historical record has been expunged. Uh, those who challenge the status quo, who in my book I've, I, I call the archaeopriest and the archaeopriest community, uh, they discredit any, anybody who approaches them with an alternative to the same old, same old Columbus discovered America, or we might give a little credit to the Vikings, but anybody else uh, couldn't have possibly made it to America. So the serious claims of old world contact that are found throughout North America, Central America, and South America have been completely ignored by the archaeological community. And uh, in essence, there, what I found that is there's a significant body of work and evidence by many researchers over hundreds of years that many different old world peoples have visited America long before Columbus. If Columbus allegedly discovered this part of the world, and we know that that's not true, but if he did it first, why isn't he called Columbia instead of America? Well, you know, the, the, how, how one explorer uh, from Europe was, was granted the prestige of having his name uh, be the, the, the name of our country versus another is is just uh, you know the coincidences and the and 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 the uh, how should I put it insincerity of of history in 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 completing a total fabrication of of the discovery of this continent. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, what what I found out about Columbus is that he knew exactly where he was going. He knew about America. He knew about America from both his wife's side of the family, which uh, was his wife, Felipe, was married uh, into the Drummond Sinclair family, the famous Henry Sinclair explorer of the Prince of Orkney Islands, who reportedly traveled to America in the uh, 1300s. So from that side of the family, he certainly was familiar with uh, the stories and probably the maps, but more importantly, uh, Columbus and, 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 and his brother 
had access to the Arab maps that, that were left in the Toledo libraries when the, the, the Muslims ab- abandoned Spain. And Columbus, when he died, it was reportedly had 50,000 maps in his possession. But when you go back through the, the history of, of, uh, uh, of Europe coming out of the Dark Ages, there's not a lot of mentioning of these maps that the uh, Arabs had left. You, you hear about uh, astronomy, you hear about literature that the, that the Arabs uh, provided, uh, culture and art. You don't hear about these maps. So certainly Bartholomew and Christopher Columbus were the beneficiaries of this. So he, he knew about uh, America, how long it would take to get here. He knew about the trade currents and how long it would take to get back. And um, what, what, what I found is the, the, the only rationale for disguising this, and it wasn't just Columbus disguising this. Uh, ultimately, it was the church and uh, Italian-Americans who, you know, have pride in, in, in the Columbus, a, uh, you know, a, a, a European and, and, and discovered, claimed discovered America. Um, what is being covered up here is that Columbus was the first one to establish slavery in the Americas. And it was Columbus who instigated the genocide of Native Americans along with the confiscation of their lands as a prelude to Cortez and Pizarro who completed the conquest. So the mythology that Columbus discovered America really is to establish the 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 lie of of that this was manifest destiny and to cover up the establishment of slavery and the genocide of the native populations. I have to ask you this question that probably is not within the context of uh, your research, but I'm very curious. When I moved to Arizona in the mid-90s, I was invited to a social gathering, and there was a University of Arizona tenured professor of history and Spanish, and she took me on the side because she, I was asking a lot of questions, and she said, this is something that I cannot discuss in the curriculum, but I'll tell you. She says, and I want to take, get your take on this. She said, did you know that Columbus was not even Italian? He was a Sephardic Jew from Catalonia, and because it was during the time of the Inquisition, he had to hide the fact that he was a Jew, and he said that he was from Genoa, Italy. What's your take on that? Well, I've also heard that, and uh, I did not describe that in my book, uh, nor go into the controversy because I didn't really think it was relevant to the to the to the mythology. But you know, it it, it is consistent uh, with with the smoke and mirrors of uh, that that history has presented us. I guess overall, my take is that 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 it's not so important. Uh, you know, uh, Columbus's background and 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 his perspective of his place in history, which he thought himself as as really somebody who bringing uh, Christ to the Americas and, and Christendom to the Americas. These are the important things about Columbus and that and that that he disguised the, the reason for his trip. He you know, so that so that it, it, it is still people believe today that he was seeking a trade route to China. And, you know, he was he was going to going to meet the great Khan, uh, apparently. But but w- what did he take on his trip? He took trinkets, nothing that he would give to a to great emperor. Uh, he took trinkets and bells 
that uh, he traded with with the Native Americans here. So so my take is that um, uh, uh, Americans need to open their eye and revisit uh, the Columbus mythology. And in, in, in looking at Columbus as a historical figure, we need to, to recognize that he insti- instigated slavery and genocide in the Americas. And as a beginning point to Columbus and the Columbus mythology, as some municipalities have already done, we should really change that holiday as a holiday to celebrate indigenous uh, native culture throughout the Americas and also to celebrate our our multicultural heritage, something that is completely left off in the Columbus story. And I'd like to make the point, and we're going to get into this a little later, Mel, that uh, we have these, before Columbus, going back thousands of years, we have these uh, giant merchant ships coming across the Atlantic uh, by uh, the, 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 the Celts and other Mediterranean peoples and coming across the Pacific and and what we see from the rock art uh, that that some of these voyagers left is that they were not a singular people; they were multicultural crews. So, as as an example, in in a, a site in Colorado, we find uh, a writing system called Ogham, which was used by the Celtic people, right along with Libyan writing. And uh, accompanied by Egyptian uh, deities that are carved into the cave wall. So emphasizing the multicultural heritage that we had before Columbus, and we can see today in our country the multicultural heritage that we all can benefit from, part of the, the mythology of Columbus that has to go is that we have this singular white Christian nation, and and with with the debunking of the Columbus myth, hopefully we're going to turn around this this concept of a, a singular cultural you know white Christian nation and and really talk about our our multicultural destiny. I remember when I spent time in Spain, going to Granada, and spending time at around the Alhambra uh, Palace. And one thing that I noticed around that area were the churches, synagogues, and the uh, the mosques right next to each other. And I remember asking the the tour guide, "How is this possible? Did we don't see this in modern day world?" And she said, "Well, at one point in time when the Moors were here, people live in harmony. You always think that when the Moors took over, all hell broke loose." When, when they retook, the Spaniards retook that area of the world, that's when they started kicking people out. What's your opinion on that? Well, you make a great point. And, uh, you know, I, I referred uh, to the 11 libraries that they uh, complete the libraries from Toledo, Spain, that the Muslims or the Moors, you know, uh, were, were in charge of and operating. And when they were forced to abandon Europe, um, you know what was left behind was essentially the the you know the one of the beginning and most important features of of the returning of light to Europe after the dark ages and these libraries really demonstrated the that that, that the arab peoples uh uh at that time 
uh, were the leaders in literature and science and astronomy and art. And it was it was these Arab libraries and Arab cultures and, and foreign cultures, uh, in, including Jewish culture, that seeded the, reson- uh, the, the Renaissance in Europe and, and really helped bring the, the, the Dark Ages to an end. But the, the, the archaeopriests did not go easily or quickly. Uh, even after uh, Copernicus' death, uh, and he withheld publication of, of his greatest work, uh, documenting that the, that the sun traveled around the earth, uh, and it was Galileo who, who picked up the theme and published widely on the heliocentric universe. Well, we all know that, that, that Galileo was tried and he was, you know, put in jail, uh, and, and he actually lived his life out in house arrest. But his colleague, uh, uh, Giovanni Bruno, who uh, was, was burned at the stake and, uh, for, for his beliefs. So, so this was uh, the, the archaeopriest philosophy, the archaeopriest mentality that, that attempts to keep us separate, to, to, uh, uh, attempts to uh, portray uh, the, the, the conquering of the Americas in the best of light. And even to the most, uh, uh, the popes, uh, the most recent popes have, 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 have talked about the glory, uh, you know, of, of, of these conquests in the Americas. So... Uh, clearly, uh, we think as a culture that we're so advanced, but in looking back at, at how ancient civilizations cooperated with each other and traded with each other, and as I mentioned, had multicultural expeditions and crews, you know, in retelling the, the, the story of, of Columbus and retelling the story of America, it's important to recast it away from the white Christian uh, saviors of America, and with a greater emphasis on our multicultural past and our multicultural future. Carl, how much of what Columbus knew did the king and queen know? Well, that's a good question, and I don't think we're going to know that because uh, you know Columbus had a political mission and he had an economic mission, and uh, he he had to be very careful who who, who he shared information with. You know, what? one thing that struck me as I was doing research on the book and, and went back over Columbus's journals that, that are available is that it, it, I concluded that, that these uh, so-called journal entries uh, have been forged and, and faked and things have been taken out. In other words, they've been incredibly edited. And uh, so, so going back and, and trying to figure out who knew what. Is 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 a pretty giant task. I will say this though that I do believe that uh, uh, the 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 monarchies were uh, tempted by Columbus's story of gold and silver, and and gold and riches is really the the the, the central theme of the conquest. And I'm quite convinced that it began with Columbus in Europe, and it it it, it ended here in the Americas with with the first uh, slave trade, and 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 you know the story of 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 how the 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 natives were were enslaved was that they they were forced to um, uh, uh, provide the the Spanish with a thimble full of gold every 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 week and those that didn't were punished they lost their arms or they lost their legs 
and 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 these Adwark peoples, and uh, and and uh, uh, similar to the Taino peoples of the of, of the Caribbean, they had little bits of gold, but the, but it was it was it was very hard to come by, and they only used it for jewelry. So the Spanish coming in and demanding more and more gold, on, under the most harshest of circumstances, um, really set the stage for Cortez and Pizarro that were to follow in, in Mexico and in South America. And, you know, long story short, what, what, what my book I, attempts to, to, to document is that these major drivers of, of the conquest uh, that have been somewhat disguised uh, uh, through, through sanitized history are still with us today. As, as the conquering nation and the empire-building nation that the United States has become. So looking back on our history and trying to understand what really happened and have a clear sense of the genocide and the slave trade that came out of it can only help uh, uh, Americans today understand what's going on in our country and, and, and be able to chart uh, a, a better course away from from the colonialism and the empire building that we've inherited from the the, the Spanish and the English. You know, having grown up in the Caribbean and in Puerto Rico and traveled to Hispaniola, Hispaniola, Dominican Republic, of course, uh, Cuba, and so on, the story of we are a mixture of Taino, Caribe, Indians, black and white. But then I started looking at the people and I was thinking, where are the Indians? I could never find them. And now I realize what happened. It was just pure genocide. So all they brought, the slaves took over in the Hispaniola, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Cuba. But what happened to the Indians? They were decimated, weren't they? They, they were totally decimated by the, by, by the Spanish and, 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 and by the diseases that took place. And, you know, I, I just think this is a great point to, to, to state that while I, you know, sought out to write a new history of America, uh, I, no one person can possibly accomplish that goal. And I uh, was able to rely on the research of hundreds of different diffusionists, archaeologists, researchers, and authors. And one in particular, Jared Diamond, who wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel, uh, uh, really documents the 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 uh, the forces that that led to the extermination of of the original Native Americans. Now, in the case of uh, uh, and 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 another great source was is is uh, Charles C. Mann's 1491, and uh, that that I documented also uh, that that tells what the Americas looked like before Columbus, and it's not what most Americans think. It's a very different, different place. Uh, so so I, I, I have to emphasize that no one person is going to go out and, and write the, the, the new history of America. But, but what, what I have found in my own personal quest is that, that while uh, many of the, of the Native American tribes have been completely exterminated, uh, in, including uh, the Tainos, and throughout North America and South America, major tribes have been dis uh, completely wiped out but, uh, and decimated. Uh, 
what we have in North America and, and, uh, and in the Americas is a preservation of the records. Now, the archaeologists will continue to yell and scream that we don't have any evidence or artifacts that, that ancient uh, Europeans or Indus Valley cultures or Mediterranean people, Hebrews, Old Irish, uh, just a lot of different cultures that, that, that did make it to America. Uh, they claim that they never, never hear because there's no evidence. But the facts are that there's nothing further from the truth. And you can still, as an example uh, of, of the Tainos, while, while it's, the, the Tainos were, were, were wiped out, their rock art remains. And uh, although there's not a lot of it, you can really learn a lot about those people from their rock art. And in my book and in my quest, I relied very heavily on the petroglyphs and the rock art uh, found in North America that provides clues to who did make it to America. Now, just on that point, I, I have to say that of the thousands and thousands of ancient petroglyph sites throughout the Americas, uh, there's only a handful that, 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 that I came across that, that I could conclude that these are not made by ancestors of the Native Americans, but these are from foreign travelers from across the ocean. So it, it, the point has to be made that 99.999 that something percent of petroglyphs here in America were made by Native Americans or the ancestors to the Native Americans. But there are several handful of, of sites that have uh, petroglyphs and archaeoastronomical phenomena that I believe prove beyond a question of a doubt that uh, in, in the case of the Europeans, the Celts were, were here in America and they just weren't here for a pleasure voyage or uh, to visit here and they left. No, they, they, they traveled extensively to the uh, eastern part of, of America, right up to the uh, Rocky Mountains. In fact, you know, we could almost call uh, New England Old Ireland because of the, the strong Celtic presence that we find throughout the New England states. And uh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not just hearsay, uh, but, but the, the, the ancient Celts left their mark in stone they left the uh, writing in an, in an ancient language called Ogham, which you do find in Ireland and, and, and England and in Scotland. But there's American Ogham that is written in a Celtic language that can be read. And, and the, it's not just in one location, but it's found in several locations in New England, in particular in uh, 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 Vermont and in, in, at a site called America's uh, Stonehenge in southern New Hampshire. But, but more uh, Ogham is, is, is to be found in the southeastern Colorado area, including parts of Kansas and Oklahoma and Colorado. And the, these Ogham or Celtic writing in cave walls uh, talks about the festivals of the Celts, mentions specific festivals by name, uh, and and talks about the the deities that they they are celebrating, including Grian uh, and Bel, who are both uh, uh, words for the sun god. 
We also find uh, in the rock art uh, drawings of, of Celtic goddesses in Oklahoma, There's specifically a Sheila Nagig, which is a very specific Celtic goddess, uh, almost unmistakable, uh, is, is, is etched in a, in, in a cave and accompanied by another Celtic goddess, Epona, the goddess of the hunt. So the point, Mel, is that, that through the rock art, even though the the evidence of these people has kind of been somewhat swept away by the wind and in, in, in the destruction uh, that that they they faced uh, here in America, or they they just became integrated into uh, native tribes, or they didn't survive, or they went back and never never returned to America. The rock art is here, and a good part of the book it, it talks about the rock art throughout. Uh, 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 North American to a lesser extent, uh, uh, Central American, South America that clearly document and prove that the ancients were here long before America, uh, long before Columbus. If so many cultures made it here before Columbus and they came and went, why is Columbus the one that takes all the credit? Is it because he was so linked to the Roman Catholic Church, which was and is so powerful? Well, that is the big part of it. And it's just the story of rewriting history. And I mention in, and toward the end of my book and remind the reader of the story of the planet of the apes and, and how the original uh, planet of the apes with Charles Charlton Heston for, for those of us old enough who saw it. Sure. Uh, uh, at, at the end there, uh, uh, the, the head ape of the scientific community is seen destroying the archaeological site that proves that the, that the ape culture did not come from apes, but they came from a previous civilization. And I point that out in the book because it's exactly what we experience and happens to our history here, here in America. So the forces... Uh, at, at the time of the conquest, you know, I, I, I refer to uh, the, the book Guns, Germs, and Steel and talk about that, that uh, uh, Jared Diamond talks about the devastation of, through, through the germs and, and actually germ warfare in destroying the, 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 the Native American cultures. So, so a lot of that process of destroying Native American cultures included the burning of the libraries. Vast libraries in South America and Central America and Mexico were torched. We will just not, we, we just have no idea of, of how much literature, how much astronomy, how much science, how much culture was, was destroyed uh, during, during the conquest. So part of the rewriting of the history is, is destroying evidence that there was an advanced civilization here before Columbus. Mexico City was the biggest city on the planet at the time. And certainly the architecture uh, and, and the uh, uh, many aspects of, of, of the sciences far surpassed what the Europeans had. So to, so to, so to be able to, to, to say with a straight face that, you know, we are a superior culture, the premise is that they've destroyed the other culture, and that there are a bunch of heathens. And this is very much what happened here in the Americas. And the representation that uh, the, the Columbus-era uh, uh, conquistadors were advanced 
is 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 a, is really a lie on, on on many different levels. A great example would be the ships themselves. So often, when I talk about the new history of America, one of the first questions that I'm asked is, "Well, how did they get here? If, I mean, how did they get here from Europe? How did they get here from Greater India?" Silence. Well, what most Americans don't know is that the ancient ships of uh, the uh, the Celts and of the the Indus Valley peoples and the Phoenician sailors who were the the, the main merchants for for millennia uh, uh, had a far superior maritime technology than Columbus ever had and the Spanish ever had. They had bigger boats. They 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 knew navigation. They they actually. Uh, were you know conducted not just little explorations to come and 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 make it to the Caribbean. They were coming and going with with uh, uh, expansive shipments of copper and gold and ships laden and going back and forth you know across the ocean. So so again here you know the the concept is that that the that the Spanish had the technology, but in fact the earlier voyages to America by Indus Valley people, Celts, uh, and Phoenicians had better maritime technology than the, than the uh, uh, Columbus ever had. I always tell this story. I don't want to bore people with the same story again, but I lived in Mexico City in the early 90s, and I remember going to the cathedral in Mexico City, and I saw a, a yellow ribbon around certain parts that said, do not cross. So, of course, being a curious mind, I crossed and I opened it and I pried. And what I found was that they were that there were archaeologists there. There was a Mayan temple underneath the cathedral. And, of course, later, that, that was the, my very first taste of what had happened to all the ancient monuments where you today see a church or, or some kind of other religious entity on top of it. Why are they so... so savage in terms of trying us to forget what was there before? What is it that they're so afraid of? Well, this is not just an American phenomena. Uh, one of the ancient deities that I tracked in the Americas uh, is a, uh, 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 a, a god who's, who's referred to as Lu, or Lu of the long arm. And he is generally considered to be a Celtic sun deity. And what, what we very few people know about Lou or even have heard of him. And he only really comes down to us as a name bearer for the Celtic cross quarter day uh, autumn festival in August, Lunasa, or the Festival of Lou. And uh, throughout the, 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 the Celtic kingdom, Lou was celebrated, and they say at almost every uh, crossroad there was a, uh, a little statue to Lou. Well, when, when the, the, uh, the, the Romans tolerated Lou, but when the, when, when the church and Christendom gained greater influence, they, they, of course, wanted to destroy all of these, you know, savage and, and pagan gods and festivals. So, so Lou, uh, all these statues were destroyed. Uh, towns that were named after Lou were given names of saints. So 
you know, what we see leading up to the conquest of the America is really the same process that that had, that took place in Europe with the uh, uh, uh destruction of much of, of, of the Celtic and pagan pagan cultures. Well, that was kind of the lead up to the conquest. And, and, and in addition to the erasing of history, we have to remember that leading up to the conquest, the, the, the conquistadors really learned their art of war uh, you know, in, 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 the, in the war, the holy wars and, and the wars against the, uh, the Mongols. So, so by the time that the Spanish made it to America, they were a vicious fighting force. They, for hundreds of years, had studied warfare and, and had the benefit of, of uh, uh, Julius Caesar's and his battle plans and, and, and all of the writing throughout Europe. So, so now you have the conquistadors in the form of Cortez and Pizarro with ruthless backgrounds, knowing that to conquer they had to rewrite history. And, and they, were, they, they came upon a relatively innocent, and by innocent I mean they, the Native Americans in, in Mexico and, and in the Incas, they just didn't have the worldliness of these Spanish and the ruthlessness, so that the, they they were both of the Incas a leader and the uh, a Spanish uh, and 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 the Aztec leader uh, Montezuma were completely taken in by by the Spanish. So, you know, it wasn't just one thing, but it key to the key to the conquest is is the ruthlessness and the destruction of a people which goes hand in hand with the burning of the books and the erasing of the culture. Now, I mentioned Lu and I mentioned Lunasa, and it's just worth continuing the story. Any, any relation, what, I don't mean to interject, any relation to the moon, Luna? Uh, no, Lu, L-U, or L-U-G-H, is, 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 was really a, a, a Celtic... Uh, a sun deity that, okay. that that probably originated in 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 the Indus Valley, but but the the point that that I was trying to make is that the church did such a good job of eradicating him that few people know uh, about Lou, and uh, to to a much lesser extent we 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 find the the uh, European and the the Persian uh, uh, sun god Mithras or Mithra. And Mithra became a, a Celtic god, and it was adopted by the Romans. And there's more evidence of Mithra or Mithras in Europe, uh, but he too uh, was was pretty much wiped out. Uh, and very little of of the iconography and the art of Mithraism remains in Europe because of the purges and the burning. Well, what do we find here in North America? We find images of Mithras. And we find images that we consider could be Lou. And it's not just the, the, the rock art carvings of these, but, but these sun deities are accompanied by archaeoastronomy events, uh, uh, solar alignments that occur you know, on the days uh, uh, that are celebrated for them. And these are not just uh, like what you would think of as a, a calendar where the sun hits a tick mark and it says, yeah, you know, today is the day. These are very elaborate heliolithic animations or light shows 
that are are uh, set up to work on specific days like the equinox and with the interplay of light and shadow that are moving on petroglyphs, a story unfolds. And these stories tell of the cosmology of the ancients, and they're played out every year, mostly on equinoxes, but also on the cross-quarter days, like Lunasa, the festival of Lu, and like Beltane, the festival of Bel in May. And there are sites in North America where you can find celebrations to these deities. So it's, it's amazing when you think of the incredible destruction, both in Europe and uh, in America, yet in the most uh, uh, unassuming places off the beaten track. Uh, for example, in the panhandle of Oklahoma, there are caves that, that record the story of the sun god Mithras and how uh, at, at sunset on the equinox, this great cosmic time uh, of, of, of alignment and, and switching of the seasons, the Egyptian god of night, Anubis, stands above the sun god, enlightened by the sun, while the shadow of the setting sun is cast on the sun god, uh, Mithras, as, as the, he begins his journey through the night under the auspices of Anubis, the, the lord of night. Now, this is all played out here in North America. So it's, uh, if, 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 we can, if we can find our way to open our eyes to, to what is preserved and what is left for us to read, it's really the heritage we have for our future to understand our, our, our history. And really one of the most exciting things about this work is that we can discover things that were destroyed thousands of years ago in America. And there's some of them remnants are still preserved here in North America. There are petroglyphs behind my house less than a mile away. I mean, Tucson, I'm very privileged to live in this mystic and mysterious and full of a culture city, but just behind there are petroglyphs, and nobody even talks about them. I'd like to send you some pictures after the show. But astrology and astronomy, they used to be essentially the same discipline in ancient Egypt, Greece, and India. But since the 18th century, they're regarded as completely separate fields. What changed, Carl? Well, we like to believe that as moderns, we're so smart and we're so advanced and we're so scientific. And a great example of that is the archaeological community. And uh, the, the archaeologists will go to a site, and the, what are they looking for? They're looking for artifacts. And they're digging, and they're putting, trying to get a, a, a concept uh, uh, through some type of uh, context, they call it, a cultural context. And they're looking down. But I like to make the point that it wasn't archaeologists who made the rock art. They weren't archaeologists. They weren't anthropologists. They were magi. They were enlightened people. They didn't put a name to themselves like I'm an ist. But what we do know about them is they knew, uh, they, they knew navigation. They knew uh, how to how to read the the, the 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 stars at night they knew cosmologies 
they they were incredible uh, builders. They knew how to map places. They were alchemists and they were holy men, you know, who was able to inscribe prayers in rocks. So it, it what what you're you're getting here is that as as modern people who consider themselves to be scientific, we've uh, eliminated most of the reality of the ancients. And in, in a great example is archaeoastronomy. Archaeoastronomy was the language of the ancients. They, they used the position of the sun and the moon uh, on very specific days to not only document calendrics, hey, the equinox is here, or it's one day to the equinox, but to tell the story of the equinox sun god. And, and now it's it's the decline of the sun god and the rise of 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 Anubis, or put better yet, the coming of fall and winter. So if if you don't have the language of the ancients, and we impose our scientific so-called reality on the phenomena of history, on the phenomena of rock art, on the phenomena of archaeological sites. We're going to come up empty because we don't comprehend what they comprehended. So I think that that the ultimate answer you know, to your question is that we have, to some extent, devolved. We really have. We're not using the part of our brain, the intuitive part of our brain that was so much more accessible to the ancients. We're not blinded by scientific dogma of what can be and what can't be uh, as the ancients were. And and we were not um, limited in, in our capacity to grow and expand and to be bold explorers uh, uh, like the ancients were T- today, you know, again, I come back to the point where people say, well, how could they have gotten here? <laughs> I mean, um, uh, uh, moderns are so out of it that they can't conceive the idea that the ancient travelers, you know, had better ships and maritime ships than Columbus had and that that's how they got here. So. I think the answer to the question is that that we we don't have the capacity that the ancients had and thereby the evidence that they've left. If if you can't if you don't know about alchemy and you don't know about astronomy and you don't know about astrology and that they're all connected and they're not called astronomy, astrology and uh, alchemy, but they're called. Hey, this is this is our philosophy. This is our knowledge and and this is our reality if we can't come and look at these sacred sites with that almost humble perspective that all-encompassing uh uh openness to 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 learn we're our, our prejudices are going to keep us from seeing the, the the writing on the wall and the result of this has been that nearly and i uh, nearly all modern-day American archaeologists poo-poo the idea that, that ancient Celts or, or ancient Indus Valley people or ancient Hebrews uh, traveled regularly to the Americas. They, and and they, they not only poo-poo it, but they discredit 
anyone and everybody who 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 presents evidence that in fact uh, the Celts, the 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 Indus Valley people, the Hebrews, the Mediterranean peoples did make it to America. They left uh, artifacts and they left uh, evidence that they were here. Why did the ancient ones, and let me pick on the, the Maya, why were there buildings, pyramids, temples, and, and other large stoneworks based on celestial alignments? And we see this all over the world. Why the interest of integrating the, the macro into the micro? Well, this is the, uh, you know, I, I referred to it before, the language of the ancients. This was their cosmology. They did not see a flat world of, of kind of a rational you know universe in a three-dimensional mode their cosmology was just filled with different layers of of integration of of the the small and the large of 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 the god head and and the humans so in in ancient uh, uh architecture uh, throughout the world the ancients integrated the, their cosmology into the architecture. And in the case of the Mayans, you know, we, we find that, they, that some, of the, some of their ancient cities, including Chichen Itza and Palenque, they laid out their buildings uh, in, in, in proportion to the position of the, of the planets in the sky, as an example. Uh, Another example is that, that they would design their buildings so that it would make use of the, the sun and to a lesser extent perhaps the moon in creating specific uh, archaeoastronomical uh, light shows on certain days. And of course the most famous is at the Chichen Itza uh, 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 Mayan temple that on equinox – uh, the 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 uh, uh, animation uh, as as the sun rises and sets is is on the giant serpents coming down that temple. The light dances on the top of the serpent's back, making it look like the serpent is is going up and down the pyramids. This is a uh, archaeoastronomical, probably the most famous one in North America. But but in but what uh, uh, but what we have. In, 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 in the Americas is less of the monumental archaeoastronomy and much more of the petroglyphic archaeoastronomy. And so it's easy to lose sight of this as opposed to a big structure like uh, Stonehenge, uh, uh, as, as an example, in, in, in Europe, uh, or some of the great mounds in, in, in Europe, such as Newgrange and places like uh, 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 Palenque and Chichen Itza here, but but in North America, w what's most stunning is the petroglyphic animations that take place on a much smaller scale and tell uh, the, the the same story the, the 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 story of the cosmos, the story of the return of the sun god, the to the story of the death of the sun god. It's a story of consciousness, and at the end of the day, what, what I discovered is that that's what the ancients were talking about in their rock art. It was all about the consciousness. So if, if, if you're an archaeologist and you're looking for an artifact and you're trying to find a context as it relates to uh, the ancestors to the Native Americans, and that's your singular mindset, how could one possibly see a Celtic word? 
Or how could one possibly distinguish a Celtic goddess from a Native American goddess? And so it's the illusion and the hubris of, of, our, of our, our scientific minds. And, and that's not to say that I'm anti-scientific. Quite the contrary. For, you know, professionally, I'm, I'm in a very uh, technology-oriented and scientific field. And one of the things that I've tried to bring to my book is a scientific perspective on documenting the evidence. Uh, but, but we also have to recognize that this rational scientific mind has blinded us. And until we can really get out of a three-dimensional way of looking at, uh, at sacred sites, we're only going to see the three dimensions. We're not going to see the reality of the ancients, which was multidimensional. And until we can really get into their shoes, get into their head and begin to look at this, we're not going to find what they left us. And I, I think a great example would be uh, a, a site in California where a colleague of mine, uh, Dorian Today, uh, and myself, uh, discovered a lunar alignment. Now, lunar alignments are rare, uh, mostly because uh, people don't look for them, and they're, they're, they're hard to document at night. But by uh, uh, predicting that an alignment would take place uh, on one of the cross-quarter days at the southern uh, standstill uh, period of the moon, which occurs once every 19 years, we made it to a site. We, we were looking for something at a very specific day, at a very specific time, and lo and behold, we observed a lunar alignment that probably hadn't been seen for thousands of years. Were we lucky? Well, yes, we were lucky, but we used the mindset of the ancients uh, who practiced astronomy, astrology, alchemy, and uh, integrated it into their cosmology. And if you can grasp all that, the time to be on that site was when the, the, a full moon near the, the cross-quarter day uh, during the 19-year lunar standstill cycle. We were there, and we saw it. So that's just an example of if, if, if we can't get out of our three-dimensional modalities we're going to miss the fourth dimension, if you will, or the cosmic dimensions that the ancients left in their art for us and our children to see. Well, just like astronomy and astrology were a 1.1 discipline, judging by what was left behind by the ancients, something tells me science and spirituality were not separate. Nowadays, science is in charge of what can be explained. And religion, which hijacks spirituality, in my opinion, is in charge of what cannot be explained. But that's for a different interview. Now, you mentioned the flat earth. We now know Columbus was in possession of thousands of ancient maps. But what about the crown? When Columbus allegedly asked for one-eighth of all the treasures found, that was the agreement, I believe, if the crown was on board with the church, wouldn't they have said, no, sorry, we're not financing your adventure because you will be falling from off the cliff at the end of the horizon? At least Columbus knew the world was not flat. 
I don't. Th- I think that the you know the, the the Phoenicians going back way before Columbus. I think pr- provide an example that that probably driven initially by the copper trade from Michigan, where the purest copper uh, of the ancient world was was to be found ninety nine percent pure copper. Uh, you know we we find that that. Uh, uh, Columbus, that, excuse me, that the that that the, the 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 Phoenicians were were able to to come and go uh, using using large ships and and deliver this this copper you know th- th- throughout the world, but they didn't want to share how they did it. So other nations would contract with these Phoenician merchants, and it was somewhat of a secret of you know the the best way to get here. Well, just like that, Columbus had a lot of uh, secrets up his sleeves, and I'd be willing to bet he shared enough with uh, Ferdinand and Isabella to convince them that he knew a way to to get uh, to uh, a land of gold, and and tempted them just enough without revealing too much information. So again, this is about hoarding the maps. This is about destroying uh, other uh, evidences that that, that, that that were around and providing a disinformation campaign that you find throughout the uh, Columbus, the, the Columbus mythology. So th- there's a lot to learn there. But the tracks, I think, have been pretty much covered up by by the, the, the historians in the church. Now, there are threads in the church to to the old uh, uh, history and to the new history. And one example is a name common to, to many of, of us diffusionists and modern day explorers, Thor Heiderdale. Now, uh, our listeners may, may remember Thor Heiderdale as uh, he was the captain of the, the Contiki, and he proved that using reeds, uh, the, the ancients could sail across the ocean. And he is very celebrated, a very popular man throughout the world, and probably the leading uh, diffusionist uh, of, of the last century. But, but most people don't know that one of uh, Thor Heyerdahl's last books uh, documented the, uh, the colony of, of Greater Vinland uh, in the upper Great Lakes of North America hundreds of years before Columbus. His book, No Borders, uh, which he wrote in Norwegian, was never published outside of Norway or Norwegian. And for me to just get a glimpse of, of what he was talking about, I, I had to find somebody who could speak Norwegian to, to, to do the little write-up in the book. But it turns out that, that uh, uh, Thor Heiderdale and his, his, his colleague, who was a mapmaker, uh, Lundstrom, had access to the Vatican, parts of the Vatican Library. And they were able to document that the bishops in Scandinavia had tax collectors coming to America to tax Greater Vinland. And so he was able to piece the story together of Greater, of greater Vinland in, in the New World in the 1200s, in the 1300s, long before Columbus. So... You know, the, the, the evidence is there, but even the greatest diffusionist of the day couldn't get it out. And that's how incredible the story is. He couldn't get the information out. 
And to this day, they celebrate Thor Heyerdahl as, as, as the great explorer, but, but his, his theories and research into diffusionism have been completely covered up. And we have to take a one and only intermission, but before, when we come back, I'll get your answer for this question. I've always suspected that history was altered along the way, and with people like, like Carl and many others, we now know that this is a fact. Is the notion of the flat earth really ancient, or was it introduced just a, a few hundred years ago? And if so, why? And I'll take your answer on the other side. Carl, how can people buy this excellent book? Well, I'd urge people to visit my website, thenewhistoryofamerica.com, and there's a link to purchase the book. It'll take you to Amazon, but uh, it's also available at other fine booksellers. So I urge you to, to visit my www.newhistoryofamerica.com, and I give a little background on the book and myself, and there's a link to purchase the book. And I want to say thank you to my friends at Inner Traditions, because you are sending great, great guess of, of the highest caliber these days and I appreciate that. Well folks don't go anywhere. I'm here with my special guest Carl Lerberger discussing a lot that we were not aware of. So much more when we return. This is Mel Bambergas and you are listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to VeritasRadio.com, click on members or subscribe or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, detoxified iodine, supplements, a USB drive with all our shows, gift certificates, rebounders, and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy.
see the circles we spin Taking our chances on where we begin Up above, the rain is falling on me Life is for living and living is free You to me are like the sun in the sky See how you fly, you have wings of your